Welcome in to Ohio versus the World, an exclusive Ohio sports podcast where I discuss primarily the Ohio State Buckeyes, as well as some discussion on the Browns, Cavaliers, Indians, Blue Jackets, and crew. I'm your host, Jacob Wilson, and today I have actually a really good podcast laid out for you. Back-to-back podcast I was not expecting to make here for Ohio versus the World, but it's been a busy few days here for Ohio State football, as you would expect here towards the beginning of January with a lot of people declaring for the NFL draft or declaring they're going to stay at Ohio State, and a lot of moves on the coaching staff. So it's a really busy day. Ended up being a really busy day for Ohio State. Uh, Obviously, at the beginning of the day, we didn't know it'd be such a busy day, but ends up being a really busy one here for Ohio State. So I'm going to bring it all to you, talk about all the breaking news, talk about a few other things besides just Ohio State football, talk a little bit about the basketball team. They played Saturday in a big game. Uh, unfortunately lost, but still not a bad game. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the crew announcing their 2019 schedule. Just take you through some of the bigger games uh, for the crew, but for the most part, for the most part, it's going to be all Ohio State football here. So let's just start off with the big news of the day. By the way, it's me by myself here today. I know sometimes I have guests, sometimes I don't, and usually when I'm by myself, I get a little nervous and I talk fast. But I'm gonna do my best today to just you know chill out. So if I'm talking irregularly slow. It's going to be because I'm practicing talking extremely slow and slowing myself down. Um, Yeah, so the first news of the day, the big one is Dwayne Haskins declares for the NFL draft. Um, Not big news in the fact that it was unexpected. We did expect him to declare for the NFL draft, but it's still the starting QB for the Ohio State Buckeyes. So anytime that player declares for the draft or decides he's going to stay, it's going to be huge news. Obviously expected Haskins to go, um, so it's not anything detrimental and you have an amazing quarterback in uh, Justin Fields coming into the program and you still have Tate Martell there. So nothing crazy, but I mean, uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, we've got to talk about him and his career here at Ohio State. Just an amazing player, amazing stats, Um, by far the best single season ever in Ohio State football history for a quarterback. Um, Quarterbacks have always kind of not struggled at Ohio State, but we've never brought in really amazing quarterbacks, a quarterback that just light up the stats like Dwayne Haskins did here. Um, played amazing during his time, brought us to a 13-1 season, a Rose Bowl championship, a Big Ten championship, and a huge win over our rival. Put up the most points Ohio State's ever put up against Michigan, and he was, you know, the leader behind that, the quarterback behind that, the guy that was big and making that happen. So he's always going to be a legend here at Ohio State for what he did against Michigan, for winning a Big Ten championship. And always at Ohio State, winning a Rose Bowl is a huge thing. So, I mean, there's really not a ton to talk about, like I said, just because we expected Dwayne Haskins to leave and declare. So I just more wanted to talk about how amazing he was here at Ohio State. I mean, he was just a game changer for Ohio State football. He could be huge for recruiting because now you're going to have a lot of pro-style QBs or guys just who aren't scramblers but have a good arm thinking, maybe I can go to Ohio State. Maybe they do develop NFL QBs, so... This is going to be a big one for Ohio State to bring in Dwayne Has- or to have Dwayne Haskins here for the year he had and show a lot of recruits. Um, it was also just big having him here for this year and having such an amazing season like we did. So overall, um, congrats to you, Dwayne, for going to the NFL. Thank you for such an amazing year. It was fun being an Ohio State fan for this year. It was fun having this pro-style, more pro-style offense at least, um, kind of refreshing after the four years of JT and all of the running that he did, but it was refreshing to see the pro-style offense that we kind of ran under Jawain, all the throwing. Uh, wide receivers definitely had fun this year. Uh, but yeah, overall, um, there was some signs that started to point towards a possible return for Jawain Haskins. But at the end of the day, we knew this was the most likely result. 
We knew that he was probably going to leave. But like I said, it's not too detrimental detrimental to this program. He had an amazing year, and it's always going to be a little bit detrimental when you have someone like that leave. But we've got some really good people behind him, and I mean, that's kind of what we're going to talk about. So we have the Martell versus Fields debate. Um, obviously, we kind of knew this was going to be the debate that was going to happen, but I wanted to hold off on it for a little bit until this became official, Dwayne Haskins. And it's still, the debate and the race for starting QB is still not technically on for next year until... Fields gets waived by the NCAA to play next season, which I do think he will get waived. So I do think this debate will be on here soon. And I think we could start it now because I do think it, I'm pretty confident that Justin Fields is going to get waived by the NCAA. So Justin Fields, he officially actually started today at Ohio State, I believe. Um, so I believe it was official. I believe the Ohio State Twitter and just Ohio State in general actually announced Justin Fields as a transfer here at Ohio State officially today, although we've known for three or four days, I believe, that this was going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, Dwayne has officially left. Now Fields is officially here. Obviously, Tate Martell, it doesn't look like he's going to leave. So it's going to be a fun spring having these two face off. I don't know exactly what to expect from it. I said on my last podcast, I feel pretty comfortable that Fields will get weighed by the NCAA. And if he does, I feel pretty comfortable that he's going to win this QB battle over Martell. One, because Fields' skill set more translate to what Ryan Day wants to do. Although Fields has really good legs and he can run the ball and he can scramble really well, which is great that he can. He also has a really, really good arm. Um, not like Dwayne Haskins, but it's up there. He has a very good arm and he also has very good legs. Um, he reminds me of a lot of players. He reminds me of Troy Smith, the way he could sling the ball down the field and still run. Um, but at the end of the day, both of these guys, really, Martell, he's only played against Rutgers, Tulane, a few other teams. And Fields, he really didn't get to play this much at Georgia. So with either of these guys, we don't know a ton of what they're going to do in college football because neither of them have that much time in college football. So for the debate between them two, at least at the moment, before you know the coaches get to see them in spring, I just have to go off of the high school tapes I've seen. From what I've seen with those, Fields is just, he's just unreal. I mean, I've never seen anyone like this kid on tape, at least. And it is high school. You never know what kind of high school he was playing at and what division he was. I mean, you could find that out, I'm sure, but... I didn't do that kind of research, but I don't know exactly what the competition he was facing compared to Martell, but um, Justin Fields, man, I watched, his, I watched his high school tape, and the guy is just unreal. I've never seen a guy able to sling the ball down the field so well, but able to run so well. I saw a few plays where he was falling backwards, getting tackled, throwing it 50, 60 yards in the air, and then I saw some plays where he was just running like an animal. I mean, he was doing Ted Ginn-type runs, running way to the left, and then finding a way to run way back to the right, and then way back to the left, and finding a way to get into the end zone. Obviously, it's high school, like I said, but neither of these guys really have a ton of college tape, so you got to go off of their high school days, in a way, at least, in my opinion. So it's going to be a fun, fun spring if uh, Fields does get waived and if Martell ends up staying. So um, one-third of the puzzle has happened here for to have a fun spring between these two, and I think I really hope that everything works out between these two having a battle in the spring because it's going to be great for these two quarterbacks to have a QB battle because it's going to make either one of them better. And if it doesn't make one of them better, then the other is going to become the starter. So either way, only positives can come from this uh, QB battle that we're most likely going to see in the spring. So yeah, Dwayne Haskins leaves. So now uh, we need Fields to get waived by the NCAA, which personally I think is going to happen almost for sure. I'd say 98, 99% chance just because the NCAA doesn't want the look of fighting something. Um, they don't want to look have the look of fighting a waiver that includes a guy trying to leave a school because of a racist incident that happened at that school. 
I mean, if you're the NCAA, why would you fight that? I mean, if a guy feels that his safety is under threat at Georgia and that there's racist things happening there, I mean, how can you not let the guy go? And how can you not wave him and let him play this year at Ohio State? So, like I said, I think that's going to happen for sure. And from all signs, we've heard from Martell and his confidence and how excited he is and how much he loves being a Buckeye. I think he's going to stay. And I think he's going to try his hardest to win this job. So I think everything's going to work out for us to have a fun QB battle this spring, which is going to be it's going to be good for people like me who want to write articles and want to make podcasts about it. And it's going to be good for you guys, the fans, because this is going to make both of these QBs better players. I mean, having them battle against each other and go go um, yeah, have, have this QB battle in the spring is going to make each of them better. They're going to want to propel forward um, to make themselves better and win the job and if one of them cracks under the pressure and they don't make themselves better with this job, then the other one's just going to win it. So no matter what happens here, really, it's good for Ohio State. So, yeah, um, obviously it would have been nice to have Haskins back for his fi- for uh, another year, but you can't blame the kid. He's not going to improve his draft stock anymore by coming back another year because his draft stock is already as high as it can get for the most part. He's probably going to be taken around anywhere from three to like seven or eight in the draft, so... I mean, at most, he can come back and become like the number one pick in the draft, but that's only a few spots advanced, and there's a lot more QBs coming out next year anyways, like Tua Tagovailoa and now Justin Herbert, uh, Jake Fromm, and a few others. So this is a smart move for Dwayne Haskins. He definitely should come out um, right now. So definitely a good move for Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, so moving on, um, this is just some small, small news. I actually just added it because... It just happened before this podcast I'm recording here at uh, 7.50 p.m. Going to try to get this done before the national championship game so I can watch that. Uh, but Ben Victor will be coming back for his final year as expected. He was one of those guys that it was pretty close to 100% that he was coming back. So not much to talk about. Um, it's good for Ohio State to just have another experienced wide receiver there next year because it's going to be a young wide receiver core here next year for the Buckeyes. You're going to have Chris Olave. He's going to be up there. Garrett Wilson in his first year, I think, is going to get some playing time. So that will be a, uh, I guess, Olave because he only played a few games. I think he'll he'll actually be able to redshirt. So should be a redshirt freshman and a true freshman there between those two. And then you'll have uh, Ben Victor, uh, maybe KJ Hill. He's still 50-50-ish. That's going to be big news when that comes out here soon. Um, and I'm sure that Austin Mack, and then I'm sure there's another person or two I'm forgetting, but... This wide receiver core, and I kind of want to talk about this later in the pod, but I'll talk about it now. This wide receiver core is going to be better than a lot of people think it's going to be. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of seniors in this wide receiver core this year or juniors. So a lot of people are going to go to the NFL or just they're going to be done like Paris Campbell um, at the end of this year, no matter what. So a lot of people were expecting a huge step back in the wide receiver core, but I think with Chris Olave getting one year older, and with Garrett Wilson, I think a guy who can contribute right away to this wide receiver core. I don't think they're taking that much of a step back, and they're going to have a great QB, it looks like, throwing to them, whether it's Tate Martell or Justin Fields. Some people forget Tate Martell can throw as well. So no matter what, you're going to have a good quarterback throwing to some pretty good wide receivers next year, which was something we didn't really know for sure we would have. We actually didn't think we would have probably a month ago, but with Justin Fields or Tate Martell, you're going to have a pretty good thrower. And, I mean, with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Ben Victor – um, and Austin Mack and possibly K.J. Hill and a few others that I'm forgetting. Um, it's going to be a pretty solid wide receiver core and QB core next year. So, yeah, I mean, good for Ben Victor for coming back. Only approve his stock um, if he's, I mean, he's probably not that high of an NFL pick anyways, probably in the later rounds, but it can only improve his stock, and it's just one more year to be in school and 
get your degree. So, yeah. So, pretty much the news of the day, although Dwayne Haskins is big news, it was more expected. So, this was stuff that was a little bit more exciting here. We have a massive defensive shakeup um, really over the past few days. Most of it was today. The only thing that happened that wasn't today was Alex Grinch. I touched on that in my last podcast. So, yeah. But first off, Greg Schiano. I think he's been told he will not be returning as the defensive coordinator for the 2019 season. Not sure if he was fired, if he's taking a job elsewhere or what, or if it was like a mutual part, uh, a mutual agreement to part. But either way, Greg Schiano will not be the defensive coordinator next year for the 2019 season. Um, yeah, so that's big news. Greg Schiano, I talked a little bit about it on my last podcast. He's been a bit of a scapegoat this year, but at the end of the day, you're the defensive coordinator. The defense was not performing this year, so... That falls on you. Um, the defense hasn't been really great over the last two years in general. This year was probably one of the worst years in Ohio State football history for the defense. So if you're the defensive coordinator and you happen to be the defensive coordinator on one of the worst years in Ohio State football history, I mean, what can I say? You know, you, you got to go, I guess. And a credit to Ryan Day. I'm going to talk a lot about this later, but credit to Ryan Day for how ruthless he has been as a head coach so far. And right away, he's getting rid of Greg Schiano as the defensive coordinator and he brought in a lot of other people. So, like I said, uh, I'll talk about the like-for-like like switches here. So you had DB's coach, Alex Grinch, left for Oklahoma to become the defensive coordinator two days ago. We learned today that his, replacements, his replacement will be 49ers defensive backs coach uh, Jeff Hoff, Hoffley. Um, I haven't really ever heard this name said before, so I'm just going to go with Jeff Hoffley here. He's the 49ers defensive backs coach. I can't really tell you anything about this guy. But he is an NFL defensive backs coach, which is good in terms of uh, how good he'll be in terms of teaching these defensive backs. But it does scare me a little bit in terms of recruiting, just because we've seen recruiters come from. We've seen NFL coaches become position coaches. We've seen NFL position coaches become position coaches here at Ohio State. We've seen the recruiting aspect not transfer as well as we'd like to see it. So we saw that with Bill Davis and a few others, but. You know, from what I've seen, I've read, I've looked at, I've at least saw some a few article headlines and read one article, and they said that they think he's actually a really good recruiter because he's a young guy, he can relate to the kids, and he should be a good recruiter in terms of how good he is as a DBs coach, just on the field, on the practice squad, teaching these guys to be ball hawks. I have also read that he should be really, really good, and it's also Ryan Day making the hire, and I honestly, at this point, I trust Ryan Day. Um, I'm going to put my backing behind him and what he does. I trust him for the most part. So I trust what Ryan Day does. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that this is a very good hire. Although, to be completely honest with you, I can't give you any insider info or I don't know a ton about the 49ers defensive backs coach. So, yeah, I mean, that's who it is. It's Jeff Hoffley. Um, there's a ton of articles on out on the inter internet that are, you know, get to know Jeff Hoffley, etc. So, you can go read those if you want to know more about him. But yeah, he's a 49ers defensive backs coach. Should be pretty solid in my opinion. So another big, big move today. You've got, oh, by the way, Jeff Hoffley becomes co-defensive coordinator as well as coaching the defensive backs. So that's huge. But then the other co-defensive coordinator is Greg Madison. Michigan's defensive line coach will become co-defensive coordinator with Jeff Hoffley. Um... Greg Madison will not be doing anything with the defensive line, though. He would just be a co-defensive coordinator. So Jeff Hoffley, um, the 49ers defensive backs coach, now Ohio State's defensive backs coach, will be the, the defensive backs coach, of course, and then he'll be the co-defensive coordinator. Greg Madison will just be the co-defensive coordinator, 
And Larry Johnson will continue to be the defensive lines coach. So, yeah, this is interesting. Um, we're going to have two stories of this today of Ohio State bringing in Michigan position coaches. The other one I don't believe is official, but I'm going to talk about it as well later. But, yeah, this is the first of two. Um, Greg Madison, he's the Michigan's defensive line coach. Obviously, I've seen some stuff on Twitter about Ohio State shouldn't be hiring Michigan defensive position coaches just because of what happened, obviously, um, in Ohio State, Michigan this year in November, the 62 points that we put up on them. But still, overall, you got to remember that Michigan did have one of the best defenses this year in the country. Obviously, we figured them out, and that's awesome. But at the end of the day, I mean, these Michigan position coaches are still really, really good. Um, and they're still better than a lot of ours. In terms of if we bring in their linebacker coach, he's definitely an upgrade to our linebacker coach, Bill Davis. And we're going to talk about that later, like I said before. But I wouldn't get scared off by these Michigan um, coordinators or position coaches just because of the 62 points we put up against them. You have to remember in the three or four years that Harbaugh has been there, his position coach, his defense has been pretty good. It's really been the offense that's been their biggest struggle. That 62-point game... I'm not going to say a fluke, but I mean, it was a bit of a fluke in terms of their defense has been really, really good ever since Harbaugh. It's really been good most of the time, but since Harbaugh's been there, their defense has been good. Their position coaches have been solid. So I think this is a good hire. I think the DB's coach and Jeff Hoffley was a good hire. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is Larry Johnson. I already said he's still the defensive lines coach. Greg Madison will not be, uh, yeah, Greg Madison will not be getting involved with that. But not only is he still the defensive line coach, he will also become an associate head coach, which I love to see because everyone loves Larry Johnson. We all know he's probably the best position coach we have here at Ohio State. So great job to Ryan Day to making him associate head coach. I don't really know what that entails, what that's going to mean for Larry Johnson on a day-to-day -day basis, but I do know that he's the best position coach here at Ohio State currently. So I like to see him becoming associate head coach. Shows just good things about Ryan Day. He knows who's talented here. He knows who the best position coaches are. And he's making smart moves so far. Um, then I want to talk about something that at least I don't believe is official. I haven't looked at Twitter in a few hours. but And that is linebacker coach Bill Davis. I'm almost positive. If he hasn't been let go yet, he's going to get let go. And it looks like if he's going to get let go, Bill Davis, the guy everyone's been clamoring to get let go over the past few seasons, uh, the guy everyone's been saying is not a very good linebacker coach, and he has really no business being the linebacker coach here. He just is the linebacker coach because he was the best man at Urban's wedding. And he's Urban Myers, one of his best friends at least. So a lot of people saying that's the only reason he has a job here. Um, and I mean, I kind of agree with that. So he's being replaced with Michigan's linebacker coach, Al Washington. So this is another guy who is a Michigan position coach. And like I said, I think this, I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing in these Michigan position coaches. If anything, it's taking away their pretty good position coaches and giving them to us and their upgrades for us as well, especially with this one. I don't know a ton about Greg Madison. I do know Al Washington is considered to be a very, very good linebacker coach. I know he's a really good recruiter, and I know he's definitely an upgrade from Bill Davis. I know that for sure because Bill Davis has been an awful position coach here at Ohio State. So this is a huge upgrade, and you're taking away a good coach from Michigan too. So, I mean, just all around, this is a great hire, which really takes me to my next point, which I'm really – is the main point of today. And that's just how good Ryan Day ha has done so far as the head coach. He has just been ruthless as the head coach of these Ohio State Buckeyes, man. I mean, he has done everything right, I feel like. Uh, he's exactly what the fans were wanting. Obviously, we love Urban Meyer. He's always going to be a legend here, but we always faulted him for how loyal he was to a point. 
He was too loyal to Bill Davis, someone I just talked about. He was too loyal to Zach Smith, obviously, everything that happened this summer. He was too loyal to JT Barrett. Um, in my opinion, Dwayne Haskins should have been the starter last year over JT Barrett. I mean, if that guy was even half the guy he was this year, then he was better than JT Barrett was last year. And I'm sure that Dwayne Haskins was half the guy he was this year last year in 2017. And we saw it in the Michigan game. We weren't playing that great in the 2017 Michigan game, that is. We weren't playing that great under JT. He gets hurt. Dwayne comes in and saves the day, has an amazing game. Cold off of the bench, he's throwing perfect passes to Austin Mack, like, you know, the legendary catch to Austin Mack. At least I believe it's Austin Mack. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing we fault Urban Meyer for is his loyalty to a point, and that's the exact opposite of what Ryan Day has been so far. He's been exactly extremely ruthless. He's fired Bill Davis. At least we think that's the one that's not official. I don't think yet. It should be soon. He's fired Bill Davis. He's brought in two Michigan coordinators. So he's brought in two Michigan coordinators. I mean, just being ruthless to Jim Harbaugh, just taking away some of his best position coaches and bringing them here to Ohio State. So he's fired Bill Davis. He's brought in Michigan coordinators. And then he's also, I don't know exactly what happened with Shiano. I'm assuming it was a firing, but they're not going to officially say fired because you know, they're looking out for Shiano. They still like him as a human being. They're looking out for him, trying to help him with his future jobs and getting a job. So they're not going to say he's fired. They're just going to say they parted ways mutually. But at the end of the day, Greg Shiano was fired by Ryan Day. I truly believe that. So he's been ruthless, firing Ryan Day, firing Bill Davis, bringing in Michigan coordinators. I mean, I just love everything he's doing. And then you look at the Justin Fields thing. He brought in Justin Fields. Even though he knew it would maybe affect Tate Martell and his confidence, he said, I don't care. I think Justin Fields is one of the best football players in the country, and if he wants to come here, we're definitely going to bring him in. And then he also brought in Zach Harrison. So, yeah, I mean, he brought in Zach Harrison. That was between us and Michigan, so that was a huge get for Ryan Day. And then finally, he just kept all the 2019 recruiting class together for the most part besides, uh, I want to say Jordan Battle, the guy that flipped from Ohio State to Alabama. Besides him and a few other, that was that one big guy. And then there was maybe two or three, maybe one or two others. For the most part, he kept the 2019 recruiting class completely together. And it ended up being a third-ranked recruiting class if you look at per average per player. So, I mean, overall, Ryan Day has been off to an amazing first month as a head coach. And officially seven days, one week as head coach. So, Ryan Day is just off to a great start here at Ohio State, in my opinion. Obviously, we haven't played any games yet. And nothing's official yet, and we don't know for sure. But in my humble opinion, just looking at everything so far, I feel like he's off to a great start, and he's exactly what Ohio State needs right now. They need someone who's going to be ruthless, and uh, he's not scared to get rid of some of Urban Meyer's guys and bring in his own guys here. So overall, um, they get rid of they don't get rid of Alex Grinch leaves. They bring in Jeff Hoffley. Um, Greg Madison comes in to become co-defensive coordinator. Larry Johnson is still the defensive lines coach, and he becomes associate head coach. It looks like nothing official here yet, but it looks like Bill Davis um, is going to be let go, and Michigan's linebacker coach Al Washington is going to come in to replace him. So pretty much a completely revamped defensive coaching staff. So, yeah, I mean, that is very exciting. The defense was not very good this year. There's no hiding that. It got better towards the end of the year when they played Michigan, um, Northwestern, and Washington, but... At the end of the day, still, these are the silver bullets. The overall defense this year, I don't have it pulled up. I know I'm awful at having stats pulled up, but it was it was down there. I think it was like towards 60, 70 overall defense for the whole entire year. When you're Ohio State, you just can't have that bad of a defense. So I love seeing him just being ruthless and firing some guys or letting some guys go or parting mutually, however you want to put it. 
that happening and then bringing in some guys who are supposedly better. So I love to see what Ryan Day is doing so far. All right, so the next thing I want to get into is the Ohio State basketball team. Um, Ohio State, they played Saturday against Michigan State. They played in the shot, so here at home for Ohio State, it was the third game in the conference. Um, They play those two now in the beginning of December. They won both of those against Minnesota and Illinois. They came into the game at 13-1, and so they had an amazing, amazing non-conference as well as those first two conference games that I just mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, off to an amazing start, and they started this game really well. They were playing extremely well. They were hitting all their shots, playing really good. um, I mean, just playing really good offense, in all honesty. They've struggled with offense at times this year, but this kind of turned into an offensive battle. Pretty high-scoring game. They lost 86-77. to We've seen a lot of ugly, low-scoring games this year, but this is more of an offensive battle. Um, both teams were making a lot of shots, but I mean, there's really not a ton to take away from this game. If you're a Ohio State fan, you can, really can't be too upset about this loss. You lose to the number eight team, Michigan State. I mean, this is just one of those things where the other team just had more talent, and at the end of the day, it proved itself. Um, it's hard to go 40 minutes with a team that is just much more talented than you are. But at the end of the day, Ohio State's still 13-2. and two, But, uh, I mean, what it really came down to is Ohio State was making shots early on. And towards the last five minutes or so of the game, they weren't making shots. Um, they only scored a few points in the last five minutes of the game, and that was really the difference. With, I think, six or seven minutes left, they were winning, leading the game, and they almost ended up losing by double digits. So just down the stretch here, Ohio State uh, basketball, that is, just couldn't pull it out. They started missing a lot of shots. They kind of became anxious in a way because they were up late in the game against a really good team. It would have been a huge win. But at the end of the day, it is... Not a loss I'm too concerned about. You're playing a very good Michigan State team, a team that has just been consistently very good under Tom Izzo. And I mean, if you look at both of their losses this year, they're two, two extremely uh, veteran coaches, very good coaches, and Jim Beheim of Syracuse and Tom Izzo of Michigan State. Two veteran coaches who play their system and they play it well, and they're both very good teams. So You've got 13 wins and you only have two losses. Both of those losses are to two veteran good coaches and two very good teams. You can't be too upset at this point. Um, the high point of the game was Caleb Wesson. He had 25 points and eight rebounds um, before being fouled out with about two minutes left. So overall, um, I'm excited for this Ohio State team. I'm still very excited for this Ohio State team. Even with this loss, I'm not too angry about this loss. Um, I... I mean, it just came down to the bad shooting at the end of the game. Like I said, if they shoot better at the end of the game, they win this game because they got to the point where they were up like seven points, I think with only like 10 minutes or so. So they could have easily came away with this game, but they just started missing shots towards the end of the game. And that's really all it is. Um, It wasn't bad coaching. It wasn't a dumb decision here or there or anything. They just were not hitting their shots. And that's really all it came down to. Um, I hate to oversimplify it, but they just weren't hitting their shots. And that's really all there was to it. All right, so uh, the final thing I really have here is the Columbus crew. So this is where everyone turns off the podcast. <laughs> just kidding, hopefully not. Um, if you don't like the crew or don't care that much about soccer, maybe just listen for a few minutes and you know learn some things. And this is going to be a really fun and exciting team to have here in Ohio this year. Um, I'm really excited about the crew this year and the potential they have to really bring in a lot of new fans under this new management of Jimmy Haslam and everything. So. Last podcast, I talked about the crew announcement of them being saved, became official. Jimmy Haslam and Dr. Pete Edwards officially took over the team. And uh, 
yeah, I mean, they were officially sold over to the management and they started selling season tickets. Now we have some more exciting news. Um, we have them announce the 2019 schedule. So some of the big games for this schedule include the home opener against the Red Bulls on March 2nd. So the season will start on March 2nd. That's not only the season opener, but it is the home opener for the Columbus crew. Um, it's against the Red Bulls, the team that knocked them out of the playoffs in November, whenever that happened. So it's the team that knocked you out of the playoffs. It's also a team that's kind of considered a rival. All these teams on the East Coast are kind of rivals of the crew, kind of not. I mean, you got Toronto, the Red Bulls, DC United, Chicago Fire. All those teams are like kind of mini rivals in a way. And then you have uh, now your big rivalry, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, the Red Bulls on March 2nd is going to be... It's going to be a big game. I mean, it's the home opener in a game that we may, a lot of crew fans never thought they would see. They never thought they would see a 2019 Columbus crew team because we thought this team was going to be taken away from us. We thought 2018 was going to be the last season ever of the Columbus crew. And I mean, just so, so much credit to this community. They saved this team. So that's going to be a really, really fun game. No matter what the result of the actual soccer match itself is, it's going to be an awesome game. It's kind of just going to be a celebration of like, Hell yeah, man. We saved this team. Now let's just have some fun. Let's kick back. Let's tailgate. Let's drink some beers. Let's have a good time and watch this soccer team. So March 2nd, at home, season opener, home opener against the New York Red Bulls. So that's a big game. Um, now two two big games in August. There's a lot of big games on the schedule, but the biggest ones have to be the home opener, like I said, and then the two games against FC Cincinnati. Man, I'm so excited for this rivalry. The hell is real derby. Um, if you don't know what that means, if you ever drove down I-71, you went south, or if you've driven from I-71 south to north back here to Columbus, then you've seen the sign about halfway through that says, Hell is Real. It also has the Ten Commandments on it. One side has the Ten Commandments, one side it says Hell is Real. Um, I can't remember which side is on, or which part is on which side. Um, but yeah, so because that's on I-71, and if you ever go from Cincinnati to Columbus, you see it. And if you ever go from Columbus to Cincinnati, you see it. So that ended up becoming the name of this rivalry, Hell is Real Derby. I think it's a really cool, unique name. And this rivalry is really cool and unique. It's only been played once in its history. That was during a U.S. Open Cup match last season, 2017 summer. I actually went to that game. It was a lot of fun. You had a really cool away section. You had a home... You had a home field that was completely packed, and you had us chanting at them, them chanting at us. A very, very authentic, fun rivalry. So I'm really excited for it. Um, the first one is at home here in Columbus. So the first ever league match, that is at least at least MLS match between these two teams, will be played in Columbus. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's on August 10th. The, so the Columbus crew will play FC Cincinnati on August 10th. And the first ever Hell is Real Derby, at least in the MLS. Um, so the first ever league match of the Hell is Real Derby. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then only two weeks later, 15 days later, they play on August 25th in Cincinnati. So both teams will get home. Both of these teams will get to play this derby and this fun rivalry at home um, this first year of it. So it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. I'm really excited for this game. I'm going to do my best to get to both of these games, get to the home one and get to the away one. And then finally, you have the regular season finale away to Toronto on the 6th of October. So that'll be the final game of the season, and it's a mini-rivalry too. Kind of like I said, the Red Bulls are a mini-rivalry, as well as some of those other teams, DC United, Chicago Fire. Uh, Toronto is also kind of a mini-rivalry. We even have like a cup between the two teams when they play each other. And so yeah, we play Toronto FC on the final day of the season, the 6th of October. So 
Obviously, it's too way too early to tell you if that's going to be a big game or not, but it is the season finale, so it's the last game of the year. It could be a huge game. It could decide if they make the playoffs or not. It could decide if they're the one seed or not. It could decide if they win the Supporters' Shield or not, if they get a bye in the playoffs or not. So that could be a big game. So those are the big games to me. You can look at the schedule yourself. Go to, you know, just type in Crew 2019 schedule on Google if you want to look at some of the big games. But in my humble opinion, you've got the home opener, season opener, March 2nd against the Red Bulls. Then you have the two Hell is Real derbies on August 10th and 25th. And then you have the final game of the season away to Toronto on Decision Day. That's going to be a big one as well. So those are the three big, big, big games. Um, The final thing I have here is the Columbus Crew announced a press conference for Wednesday, so that will be two days from now, uh, at least when I'm recording this. You'll probably be listening to this on a Tuesday or Wednesday, so either uh, one day for you or on the day of. So Wednesday they're going to have a press conference. That would be January 9th, and most likely I'm going to guess that that press conference will entail them changing the crest, possibly, or the badge or the logo if you want to go really American with it. Um, I would say crest or badge. Probably going to change it. And they're probably going to change the name from the Columbus Crew SC just back to the Columbus Crew, take away the SC. Um, Some of you will know what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't know a ton about the crew, um, it used to just be the Columbus Crew. There also used to be an old badge. And when Anthony Precourt took over, he gave the Columbus Crew the SC at the end, which stands for Soccer Club. He also gave them a badge, which uh, for all the awful things Anthony Precourt did, the the badge they have is actually pretty nice. It's actually a pretty nice logo, but... At the same time, we don't really want anything that reminds us reminds us of Anthony Precourt. We don't want anything he did to be left at this club. He was an awful owner, an awful human being, and we want everything that he did to be completely rid of in this franchise and in this city. So, although the badge itself is pretty nice and the name's not awful, I think they have to get rid of these things just because you can't have anything associated with Anthony Precourt in this town or in this franchise. So they're probably going to change the name from Columbus Crew SC to to Columbus Crew. And they might, you know, fiddle around a little bit with the badge and make it a little bit different. So, yeah, I think that's really all I've got for you guys. This is probably my best ever solo podcast. So if you're still listening, I appreciate it. My last podcast had over 100 listens. Uh, The audio was a little bit off. Um, My voice would come in a little bit before JT was finished just because... My audio was ahead of his a little bit. I don't know why. Anytime I record with someone else, it just doesn't work for some reason. It's really frustrating. It's either I do the podcast by myself and I'm a little nervous and talk fast or I do it with someone else and then there's audio problems. So this will be a good, this will be a pretty solid podcast. I actually feel like myself did, me myself, I did pretty well of talking a little bit slower and clearer and better and less anxious. And then obviously I'm sitting here by myself under a blanket so the audio should be pretty good for you guys so should be one of my better pods a little bit of emergency pod to get out a lot of news that happened here in the last few days but overall yeah Joanne Haskins declares for the NFL draft no surprise there Ben Victor will be coming back for his final season at Ohio State Greg Schiano is gone as the defensive coordinator um, DB's coach Jeff Hoffley um, and Greg Madison he will both be the co-defensive coordinators. Greg Madison will just be doing the co-defensive coordinator job. Um, Jeff Hoffley will be the DB's coach as well as the co-defensive coordinator. Larry Johnson will become an associate head coach. Bill Davis, not official yet, but he will most likely be gone and replaced by Al Washington, the Michigan linebackers coach. And uh, yeah, Ohio State loses to Michigan two days ago, 86-77. to 77. 
Hope you guys got a chance to watch that. They lost, but it still was a good game overall and a fun game to watch. And then the crew announced their 2019 schedule, headlined by a home opener, a decision day match against Toronto on the last day of the year, and two Hell is Real derbies. And there was also going to be a press conference Wednesday, which will most likely be a new crest and a new name. And also might just be Jimmy Haslam there, kind of just announcing himself and Dr. Pete Edwards, kind of just announcing themselves as owners, saying, here we are, here's our faces. Here's what we want to do with this club. So yeah, that's all I have for you guys. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. Um, I'm doing my best to get better at this. So I'd appreciate a five-star review so I can get a few more listens. Um, you know what? Actually, I did forget something. So let me real quick pull up Twitter and go to the listener questions. I actually forgot to do this on my last podcast as well, even though there wasn't actually that many listener questions anyways, so it wasn't a huge deal. Um, but yeah, let me pull up Buckeye Sports Talk here, um, the site that I social media manage for. It uh, looks like I only got one comment. Awesome. Can we expect a major scheme change on defense after the shakeup? Will Larry Johnson carry more weight in the decision as associate head coach and his experience preference working with defensive linemen? That is from American Grit, Adam Bear. I like the name. Um, you know, that's a good question, Adam. Can we expect a major scheme change on defense after the shakeup? I wouldn't say major. I mean, you're probably going to see the linebackers back off, off, back off of the defensive line a little bit. Um, you're probably going to see the DBs turn their heads more because right now the DBs are being taught to never turn their heads for the ball and just wait, just look at the wide receiver's eyes and react to that. Um, so you'll probably see those two things change. But you also just, I mean, I don't really think that they're bringing these coaches in for a major scheme change. I just think they're bringing them in because they thoroughly think they're better coaches at coaching up these young kids to be better players. I think he probably thinks Jeff Hoffley is going to teach these defensive backs how to be good defensive backs better than Alex Grinch was. And the same thing on the, and the same thing with linebackers with uh, Al Washington instead of Bill Davis. But in terms of the actual scheme changes itself, um, probably back the linebackers off of the line a little bit. Probably have the DBs looking for the ball more. They probably won't change anything scheme-wise with the defensive line because that has been so steady and been one of the best parts of Ohio State football over the past five years or so. Um, so I don't think any major scheme changes. I just think you're bringing in coaches who are just better at their job, honestly. Not to oversimplify it, but I just think you're bringing in coaches who are better at their job. So thank you to Adam Bear for the question. Thank you for everyone for listening to Ohio versus the World.